Welcome to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. I am your host, Joanne Boyce. On this podcast, we're going to discuss all things inclusive marketing, from persona creation, campaigns, and even some of the mishaps we see in the media. Tune in and let me know your thoughts on how we can make inclusive marketing the industry standard. Hi, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. I am joined today by a long time, one of the very first social media people I met in real life. <laughs> no. Bless. Natalie, who is the founder and CEO of Naturally Social. So Natalie, tell them a little bit about yourself. Hello, Joy. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. Um, yeah, I always remember the first day that we met and the week that we spent following that. Yeah, my name's Natalie. My company, Naturally Social, was built to provide the resources and expertise um, missing in-house to some of the world's kindest companies. So that's our kind of mission, is to tell the stories of the world's kindest companies. And what that means is I don't want to work with people who talk about ROI or profitability because I don't think that is where social media lends itself and yes it can do all those things but I want to make a difference in society and I can use my skill set to do that so yeah that's what we're here to do. Nice I really like that kindest the kindest companies I hear sometimes and actually I did see this on the site and to dive in I've been going back and forth on the the B Corp aspect Mm -hmm. um in i feel like in the southwest a lot of marketing agencies and stuff have been diving into getting b corp certified if anyone doesn't know it's a certification that kind of says you're an ethical business if i was to summarize yeah but i always when i hear marketing agencies talk about it i'm just like uh i don't know i'm curious but then i i prefer the term kindness coming it just means that you're just trying to do good yeah necessarily that you know you're out planting trees absolutely ticking a box um and that's you know when we when we look for clients and when we talk to potential clients you know i'm always asking well what's your csr strategy and is it legit Um, you know is it or is it just a well we plant trees well we're eco-friendly um we have a cycle to work scheme uh (laughs) you know you're going um mm, no i don't think so um, because I think it needs to dive a lot deeper than that. And it's really started because my background's in public sector and I was one of the first social media managers in the UK in public sector, wow. um, particularly in um, local government. And what I, I had the opportunity to see was that when you show up in the space of others, you have the opportunity to influence them and as a brand or an organization, you shouldn't take that lightly. You should be privileged. And as such, like you need to use those tools and those channels responsibly. Mm-hmm. And um, and I kind of came out of, of the local authority I was working in, and that was my why I set up Naturally Social. I hadn't really communicated it at the time. I just took voluntary redundancy and everyone said I was going to be good at it. And then when I joined the Accelerator program, I really developed a confidence to say this is what I believe in and when I was told that that was okay and oh by the way it's kind of thing that's happening right now it's gaining a lot of traction about Mm -hmm. led um so go for it and I was like oh okay cool because yeah I think that 
you know, if you're, if you're making a product or you're building a service that is putting people and planet at its heart, the profit's going to come anyway. So yeah. I agree. I agree so much, but I'm curious to know in terms of the public sector, how did they see their ways of communicating with the public? Because I always say in our work that and you probably hear it, when you talk to clients, especially small businesses, they will tell you everyone is their audience. Yeah. They're like, everyone. I'm saying, like, no, everyone does not like bread. Everyone does not like your thing. But in terms of public service, like the big governments and NHS, everyone is their audience. Mm. What did that look like in terms of putting together content and just, yeah? Yeah, I think um, everyone is their audience. But nothing, you know, nothing's changed now as it was then. Different people hung out in different places. Mm. Um, you know, if I think about back then um, when Facebook, we were just using profiles, not pages. Pages hadn't been built yet. Like profiles were what we used to go and connect or hang out in groups or something. But at that time, you know, my mum and dad weren't on Facebook or any social media. Um, so Facebook was the place to be if you want to talk to 20 year olds. 20 to 25 year olds and then um if you want to talk to 50 year olds you'd go and get print done print advertising and print comms and news and 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 work with the local press and as time has developed that shift is just it's just growing so you know now the 50 year olds are on facebook and the 20 year olds are now my age and we're on things like insta um you know, maybe looking at TikTok and Snapchat, et cetera. And then the younger audiences that are coming through are the ones that keep defining the channels that we're going to be using in the future or what organizations should be using in the future. So the message, yes, yes, our message was the same and the message needed to reach a lot of different people. But those you have to always remember that those different people are hanging out different places. So um, your audience can be everybody in the community but how and where you say it changes. That makes so much sense. Do you still, with clients now, do you help them put together audience segmentation and personas and so forth? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the clients that come to us, they understand that anyway from, from the get going. We don't work with like really early stage businesses um, and therefore they're pretty, they're pretty confident with who their audience is. Mm -hmm. Um they might tweak it slightly they'll know and certainly more often than not they'll know who their audience is they are looking for us to tell them where that audience is hanging out yeah so they know that their biggest spenders are your 60 plus or your 70 plus or whatever and they come to us and say oh we want to be we want to launch a tiktok channel and i'll go no <laughs> that's not where we're going um so we do have those conversations because i'm always curious because i've been kind of thinking a lot about audience segmentation and reach because in our work we sometimes can go against the trend like for some clients say gaming clients they'll be like oh yeah audiences on twitch or tiktok or so forth but then one of our um brands that we work with a lot black girl gamers the majority of their audience is on twitter mm -hmm. so the traditional where it is is not necessarily where the underrepresented audiences yeah and it's really interesting to explore that but i all sometimes in, inside of me as well as a marketer i'm always like battling of like is this meaning that it needs to shift or is it just this one audience is also there 
Yeah, I think I think probably the latter. I think you can't. You know, it's not you. You can't just summarize and assume that everybody is here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I hear a lot of people that say, you know, nobody's on Twitter. Loads of people are on Twitter. Yes, it might be the majority um, losers. No, <laughs> majority <laughs> of people might be um, uh, news people, journalists, uh, industry peeps, and um, celebrities. But you do get pockets of community who are just on Twitter to talk to themselves. People still use it in that way. So I think we can make some good assumptions to start planning, but you have to keep iterating and testing and and trialing and learning from what you're discovering um, in order to really hone in on what you're doing. And who you're reaching, yeah. And who you're reaching, yeah, exactly. Because it is, it's funny you say that, at the current moment of time, Twitter is going through some turbulence. Yes, it is. <laughs> I have no idea where it will be once this is released. <laughs> yeah, who does know? Going on 101 tangents. But in terms of inclusive marketing, before I spoke to you about it, <laughs> what was your thoughts on what it was or what it meant? Um, inclusive marketing has been a term that I've been familiar with for quite some time now um, in the general my, you know, I, I'm a practitioner and have been until I started growing the team. I was very much a practitioner of my work, so doing the doing. Mm. And I'm always listening to blogs, podcasts, always reading news articles, here, going to talks, etc. And it's part and parcel of this huge movement and shift. So even a movement, because a movement would suggest that something's going to stop, but this shift in, you know, society's expectations of how we receive information, how we give information, and how we support each other. And I really felt that came, that was hugely amplified, not only during COVID, but back, as you're saying, in kind of 2017, 18, 19, there was a lot of talk growing um, around people of color, people of abilities, disabilities, etc., cetera, um, female to male, ratio in how they're showing up online and in, and in campaigns and then lately in the last few years we've really started to listen to our trans peers and other communities of people and they all have a voice and the more we give them a voice the more it's important that we recognize that that needs to show up in other places Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, inclusive marketing is about giving every walk of life the opportunity to shine, I guess, and to understand the impact that we're having if we just litter our socials, in particular as a social first comms agency, with pictures of white people, for example, white, straight, able-bodied people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not uh, conducive to um, a society that welcomes everybody, which we do. You know, so for me, it's you know I sit with the team here and I I really say to them like take a step back and don't be lazy in the selection of the visuals that you're picking to go with client work because you're in a rush. Mm. Um, you have to take a step back and decide the best way of representing this message in a way that's inclusive that that is key especially in relation to 
social media managers and content social content creators are constantly in a rush like the world is yeah. always on fire yeah massively so and i'm guilty of it as well over the years um it, it, you know it's it's and it's funny because you know we can have the writing down the you know the, the content down so why do we not pay extra attention and care to not just the quality of the visual of the, of the creative that goes with everything but the message behind that visual like what is that saying who is in it and that's something that we're we're really working hard on at the moment and it's interesting because a lot of my work um looks at stock photos and social media managers we rely on stock photos so much mm. it's gotten to the point where i recognize that do you ever have that we see yeah and i'll use that one i mean use that one i know where you got that that was unsmashed <laughs> yeah I was like, oh that was popped up again <laughs> but um the more work i do into like ai and technology i'm starting to realize how much social platforms and artificial intelligence is working against us trying to be inclusive wow okay at stock photo websites it's changing now there's a really good book called algorithms of oppression that basically shows you that google's algorithm will promote things that they think we want yeah Mm -hmm. the standard we all know that but when you type in like the word woman into google you're more likely to get a skinny white woman than you are to get a variety and considering it should a bunch of pages same with stock photo websites wow I got into this work initially by like speaking to social media managers and they were like, yeah, I can't seem to find any stock photos of black women or black people. I'm like, did you type in the word black? And they're like, no. <laughs> like you have to type that in because the the tools that we're using are working against us doing the thing that we want to do quickly. Yeah, that's such a good point. It, that's it such a good hard. point. Like, why do we, yeah, like... I've just literally opened up a browser and I've typed in woman and oh my God. (laughs) You can't unsee it now. I can't unsee that. Well, actually, to be fair, um, there is two lines of imagery in the, in above the fold Mm. and there's one black woman, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 11 white women. Mm -hmm. And you don't, because, because we're in the rush and we're using the thing, a lot of the times we would only start to think as social media managers, oh, I've used that picture before. Let me look for another one. Mm, but yeah. everyone in the industry is using the first page. Like who goes on to the fifth page of stock photo search? You don't. No. 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 Not unless you've got, you know, bit the big bucks being paying for you. <laughs> Someone's like, have all the time in the world. And you know, do all the things. You go on to page one and page two. And then even when you think... Um, so I've mentioned before about alt text. Mm. I even though that's something we promote, it's still something we're working in. We recently switched social media management tool because it didn't allow you to put alt text in the scheduler. And I was just like, this is a thing that wasn't. Do you even remember alt text back when it wasn't a thing on the platforms? No, I can't believe it. This sort of stuff gets me angry. And then it started, like you said, that going down that rabbit hole of questions: Why? How did we get here? That's not okay. And it's yeah. little things because it is that thing of we're just trying to do our jobs and get content out there, but the tools are working against us and they're already working against us in general. We were talking earlier about how much Facebook and Instagram changes. Yeah, all the time. All the time. And you, you're just trying to keep up with that in the first place. I was curious to know, 
as a team, do you ever work with influencers? Yeah, 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 we do. Um, we, depending on the size of the client and in what capacity, so we have some retained clients who we're, we're just keeping their socials going and, you know, getting the brand messaging out there. Others we work with on a retained basis monthly, but we'll run campaigns through the year. Um, we'll also pitch to them ideas for what to do. So yeah, we've worked with, I'd probably say over, not huge amounts, but we we ran a, um, a campaign with Wiltshire Police earlier this year, Violence Against Women and Girls campaign, which has come from National uh, Met Police, Met Police Office down. Um, it was about surveying all women in the community. Um, and we, so we, we worked predominantly with influencers there. Okay, that is a huge initiative, like... Yeah. That is it, a huge initiative. Really proud to have been involved with it. Um, Really enjoyed working on it. And really enjoyed sourcing influencers from an entirely varied background of culture and colour and age. <laughs> um, you know, it was... And it was something that I was saying to one, one of the teams was when I was asking them to, to plan the campaign, I mean, we were brainstorming it. I always say, like, don't think about it as influencers equals millions of followers. Think about it as, like, influencers are people of influence over a community online. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be somebody with millions of followers. It just has to be somebody who's quite active on social media and they have an engaged following. That is still a huge influence to the person trying to depending on what you know what they're trying to do um for us it was to to kind of galvanize their communities to complete a survey and respond on this survey so it was so valuable that we could ask the local mayor to share this survey on their social channels the local politicians or you know a few local people of influence in the business community mm -hmm. um swindon north east south west wiltshire like everywhere um, because they had engaged people who listened to what they had to say and enjoyed their content. And so when they were asked, you know, by them to, to share their views, they were more than happy to. And that's the bit that sometimes I think we fall prey into when we're looking out for influencers for campaigns and stuff, the numbers. Because I remember that story from a few years ago, someone who had like, 20 million followers or whatever launched a t-shirt line and couldn't sell one t-shirt yeah and they're so missed but you it really is it goes back to people who actually engage in and that changes the whole way that is such a um equitable way to look at influencers yeah because it means that going back to the algorithms working against us a lot of disabled black and brown influencers have low followings or have low reach because it's not they're not pushing their content a mm -hmm. lot of the times they're either especially within the disabled community they get flagged for content violations really because it's deemed a certain way so the way that ais read images is that they take shapes so sometimes yeah. they'll take a shape from an image and deem it as it's not appropriate when it could just be an amputee or it could just be something it will deem it inappropriate and flag it or if a campaign the other aspect of it, so you have the AI aspect, but then you also have the hatred online. A lot of influencers, if a campaign's doing well, it means it expands to an audience beyond their reach, which is good. Mm -hmm. Unless that audience is either sexist or racist. Yeah. And then they start reporting their content and then some people lose their accounts. Christ. 
So it becomes this whole being a person of influence and having the power. Because when you look at these influencers' comments, that's the one thing I I go straight to the comments. I'm like, yeah. okay, hundreds and thousands, millions of followers, but what are your comments Who's saying? Who's talking? Yeah, exactly. Who's talking? Yeah. And what is it saying? And that is looking at that engagement is the most equitable way to do it. And it's really good that you guys did it like that. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's all I've ever done when it comes to influencer work because. One, we've never worked with clients who've got huge budgets to pay for macro influencers. <laughs> and the whole other aspect. <laughs> yeah. Um, two, I worked with people who were open to me putting forward this notion of influencer marketing when it was first starting out. And so it allowed us to to work with people, even if they had... I mean, we worked with a client who is in the um, crafting industry and we found this um crafter on youtube and she had 100 subs at the time um but she was brilliant she was amazing at what she did and amazing on youtube and we tapped her up and said do you fancy doing some work with us you'll get loads of crafting long story short did wonders for their social strategy mm. and we were able to, to launch live video and craft alongs and I absolutely loved it um and she now has her own craft line and is on like craft channels and she's like an, a full-on full-on influencer Love um it. yeah so and then she's gonna remember that brand and you guys forever because yeah you were there when she exactly. had a subscribers yeah exactly how do you find it is for brands to take because that's something that I sometimes have when I'm talking to clients they're looking and they're thinking about influencers and social in the big numbers and I'm trying to convince them, yes, this community or this organization or the audience you're trying to reach, whether it be black, brown, LGBT, disabled, has a smaller, but their reach is deeper. How do you explain that to clients to understand that engagement stuff? Mm, yeah, really good question. I would say for us, it's how we write the proposal from the outset and educate from the outset and say like this is how we think we can deliver this campaign for you these are the sorts of people um we would be going for and why yeah and then we do the monitoring um and the reporting back so it, it has to come from that that moment that educational piece and if i don't think that i can onboard an influencer for whatever reason or they they have in their mind who they want to work with and i don't think it's worth it then i and then i shall say I've learned I've learned the hard way to not to say yes, yes, yes to things that you fundamentally don't agree with. And that goes back to your whole wanting to work with kind companies as well. Exactly. Exactly. I you know, it it doesn't add up and it eventually it adds a lot of stress and issues to mental health when you are not living a I think the word what is it? A congruent lifestyle. So if things don't add up, you know, you you're going this way, but really you want to be going this way. There's only so long that can happen for before before you struggle, I guess. You know, and you spend a lot of time working and a lot of time talking about your work and you have to be happy doing it. Mm -hmm. I relate to that so much because that's why I did the whole rebrand. Yeah. I got to the point where we had a team of five just solely doing marketing and we were scaling out the agency and I hated it. Was that a social detail or as a mirror? Social, social detail. detail, yeah. Wow, fair play to you. It was during lockdown. I hated it, absolutely hated it. Yeah. Because it was clients, because obviously the lockdown had this whole other 
narrative of everybody jumping online and everything. Yeah. I just, I guess before I had a lot more control about explaining and teaching the whole journey. But yeah, I was like, nope, because I love the numbers and the analytics and the creativity and the testing. But they were like, no, just post. We just want you guys to just shut up and post. It felt dirty. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, it does. Oh, no, I hate that. I hate that. And I, um, again, comes down to the education piece. When I get really frustrated if we get treated like administrators. Um, and it's so funny that you say, I'm hoping I can say this on the podcast, it's so funny that you said it feels dirty. I have very recently started coining the phrase, it feels like prostitution. Because what I'm, what I have experienced in the past, and most recently actually with some clients that are no longer... Um, is that people think they can ex- they can give you money, particularly in marketing, which is odd. Um, they can give you money and then ask you to do whatever they want. I'm well, not even ask, tell you to jump a certain way, do it and do it. They say the expectation was becoming unmanageable for me with some in some aspects. And yeah, like I said, it feels a bit dirty. You're going like this is not what I believe in. It's not what I want to do. I'm expected to just sit here and you to talk to me like this. I, yeah, I, I want to find, yeah, that is relatable in some, so many weird ways, but it reminds me of this one time where someone came up to me after I did a speaking event about inclusive marketing and they said to my face, they were like, yeah, we've asked the client to, you know, put black and brown people in the campaign, but they said it wouldn't sell. So we didn't push. And I'm just standing there taking in this information. I'm just like, I, I don't. How do I deal with that? What do I say? And then I'm also also thinking, so that person made that tiny little bit of effort to be inclusive and that was it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That is the biggest takeaway. That That was it. They were just like, and then they thought that was enough to come and tell me after an hour long. Yeah. And also why come and brag about that? Like, don't say that. Like the the question is, have you got anything that you can share with me that I can go back with? Because I'm re- I'm feeling really disempowered, and I want this to work. It was just such an interesting, ex- and I have those little experiences every now and again where, yeah, I it's either people talk about they blame the client, mm. and the client's not letting them be inclusive, and I feel like that's because they have somewhat of a transactional relationship with the client. Yeah, or they're like, oh, we did this one thing, we didn't do anything else. Yeah, tried it. That's it. Yeah, I feel you. That is the doom and gloom of social. But in terms of where you see social media going, what do you think is the, the future of either the communities, the platform? What, what do you think is the future? Let's say 10, 10, 10 years. I mean, if Zuckerberg has his way, we'll all be sat here in our VR goggles and um, living in the metaverse. So uh, I came back from social media marketing world in San Diego in March and there was huge talk about NFTs Um, and it fascinates me a lot. And I think a bit like when you asked me in my podcast earlier, I'm trying to understand the business case for NFTs Um, and I'm trying to decide whether this is a early stage trend that influencers are really coining like your Gary Vaynerchuks and your Mark Zuckerberg and maybe it will die off I don't know um but I'm not quite ready for that so um yeah in in 10 years I undoubtedly things are going to change big time in 10 years you know we are going to start moving from the 2D world to virtual reality Mm -hmm. 
um, it's going to happen. And it already is happening in so many places. But, you know, we look at gaming and stuff. So I think that interactive experience is probably coming our way. And um, that gamification element as well in social, I think that's going to continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think generally there's a big call for authentic, inclusive marketing. You know, people want brands to be people and they want them to not fill their feeds with with lies and falseness and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So that kind of ethical marketing piece is really big and that is going to drive a lot of the way in which social behaves. Um, and we've see, even seen that in like how ads work, you know, removing based on EU laws, like really challenging Facebook and how we're able to target individuals. Mm. Um, you know, the likes of Be Real um, and, and and the fundamentals of that platform being very stripped back. And also things like TikTok and long form video, sorry, mobile first short form video where you're not inundated with ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very stripped back, it's creative, it's really creative, but it's authentic and it feels personable. That is what this generation loves. All of that makes me excited because it all includes tech and I am a tech nerd and I love tech it. Is, tech is always going to be, a tech is, can, will drive forward everything in society right now. And you're either with it or you're going to be left behind. And it's got to be scarier being left behind, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be, especially if you're, so going back to influencer marketing, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk that was talking about it, but, or YouTube that's testing it where you can add advertise within the video without it being a commercial okay so someone could stop a video on youtube and click on a like a can of coke in the background nice and get taken to commercial and i'm just like i am ready for that world because mm-hmm. there are many times where you see things you're like i want that but then you yeah. have to search and find it yeah 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 well they've got that now haven't they on like websites for example like asos or whoever they like shop the look Mm-hmm. you'll see somebody on instagram and this was a few years ago now like picture the person wearing the clothes shop the look and each item is directly tagged it's about making people's lives easier um uh, but also i think feeding into that attention span issue we've got going on <laughs> and um also that uh what's the word the need for, uh, for instant gratification i do worry though with the speed of everything essentially becoming faster and easier, we really does need for social media managers to incorporate inclusive practices because we can we can easily stray so far away. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, you can start, we talked about being too busy earlier to consider what you're attaching to your content and your copy. It's going to be very easy to get swept up in the newest thing and forget all the things. And what we don't want this to be, let's face it, we don't want this to become a trend. You know, it was trendy to talk about inclusive marketing once. It was trendy to talk about inclusivity for a while. Like, no, that's not going, it's not going away. Um, So we can't let that happen. So we need to make sure that the conversation continues and that people are a voice for inclusivity online and offline um, so that when these new things do come along, then they're embedded in our day-to-day practice. But also it'd be really helpful, Silicon Valley, if we can have some different people up there making the stuff. That I feel like great. that's a, a direct message. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. You know what it would be interesting? Because I need to look it up because I don't know if this is a fact, but I feel like all social platforms were created by men. Yes. They pretty much were. No, well, apart from there's a couple of, what was it? Is it not Bumble? Bumble. Yeah, Bumble's a woman, but that's, is it a social? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. It's not, it's well, if we're talking about tech, we're talking about tech and apps in that perspective. And I'm thinking Silicon Valley, I'm not thinking just social. Okay. I'm thinking tech and apps because, you know, things like the metaverse. And if you think about all the dev people who are out there, yeah, who are building and creating stuff. Yeah, that, that, um, that they're the majority white male. That is why there is a huge push, particularly in the UK, about women in STEM. Mm-hmm. Because we need other voices at the table. I'm trying to think. I'm, I feel like, but this might be my own bias here. I feel like Pinterest was created by a woman. Maybe. Maybe. I feel, I feel like it's just because I know... I haven't checked in a while, but the stats were that it's majority women on Pinterest. But- oh, yeah, definitely. But that isn't that just about the platform itself and what it what it can do. But my head is just like, is, it, is that is that's why I'm thinking it's a founder brand? I'm Googling it. I'm Googling it. Because I'm just like, ooh. No, man. Damn it. <laughs> I, I had hope. I did. Oh, bless you. You really did. You really did. And I hate to be all like, you know pessimistic about it but no okay so i'm gonna add in terms of the future of social media marketing we will have a huge platform created by a woman that isn't that isn't created out of spite like bumble was you know bumble was at face <laughs> i mean she's amazing like fair blinking player i think she's one of the first female founders of her age to ever go public yep yep and it was and she worked in tinder so it started in a toxic environment and she went to create the opposite yeah. So, yeah, but with what's happening with Twitter right now, we might get <laughs> someone yeah. Twitter and want to create a better version of it. We might get one of those um, employees who got booted out at you know two minutes notice. Go, I'm going to create something else that's like a micro blogging site. Oh, gosh, but yeah, so that's my prediction for the future. That there's a platform, and I'm only going. I'm going low hanging fruit. I'm saying, woman, I am playing a Prussian Olympics and going for the the closest one. <laughs> that is the current ranking order of things in the world but anyways <laughs> my dark humor aside um yeah. in terms of campaigns you've seen anywhere on the internet has any been inclusive or not so inclusive that you want to okay yeah so i'm gonna be be put my hands up here and say do you know what i think i'm gonna go home and really challenge myself to see campaigns in that way because i think my my non my subconscious bias does not challenge me to look at campaigns and say that's really not inclusive or that is I mean for me I very much I'm quite I'm a feminist so when I'm looking at inclusivity I'm looking at women in ad in in campaigns and adverts whether they be white black skinny particularly around body shape for me is Mm. is a big thing that's what I'm always checking um but outside of that I need to be more analytical and more challenging but I will highlight a horrendous campaign that featured on our social media fail a few months ago, I think. But it was a campaign by Dove. Mm-hmm. And they basically had, I think it was, it was like a diagram of four images. Um, and I think it was Dove, I'm going to have to go and grab it. But they basically had um, two black women, two white women. And it basically said that if you, it demonstrated without saying it, that if you used this product, you would become more white. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm laughing because I've seen this one. It is, it is it's horrendous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
like, I have no words to really convey how disgusted I am as a person to have seen that sort of thing. It went through, so it had a, a couple, the thing is, it goes back to how many people see this content. It had a video version where the black woman takes off her top and there's a white woman underneath and they're like better skin or something. That's and then it. it had the grid where it was um, dry skin on one side and moisturized skin on the other side. And, yes. like, and it's, they, did, they did so many versions of it. And I'm just like, no one, no one. Anyone see what I'm seeing here? Anyone? No, no. I always feel that there probably is some young person in those offices that see it, but they just don't listen to them. I feel like there is someone. This is what I was saying on the podcast is like, how does this even get through? How does this go to the board or the committee or whatever, you know, head of whatever it is department pitched because this will be visualized in a, some sort of storyboard. How does that go on a storyboard and somebody doesn't go, doesn't look right to me. Um, got a couple of things to say about that. No, disgusted. Dove have, they, they, they have a few, sorry, they're one of our frequents. Oh, wow, they have loads. They did recently do, and I think you might like this, they did two inclusive spotlights where one was about different types of men's bodies and then another one was about what good skin looks like and they highlighted different types of bodies. And so okay. they are actively trying, but I, I say they're very much in the kind of the spotlight phase of things where it feels like they're trying. Oh, yeah. It doesn't feel like it's natural. It, yeah. It's just like, oh, Dove is doing a thing. Oh, this feels awkward, but they're trying. Yeah. Yeah. But and I guess like that was kind of what I was saying to you earlier. It's like, oh, how do how do you go from place A to place B where place B is correct and genuine and place A is completely not? Um, when you're carrying that reputation, there is gonna be that moment of awkwardness, but you have to say, Okay, you're trying. Either that or they just need a complete change in staffing structure a public apology, a public announcement that says things are changing from now. Here we go. You say that, but in our H&M case study, they did that. Oh, right. But they they assigned one person to oversee all their DNA. <laughs> oh, in a company that size? <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm sure the person has a team now. I'm sure they figured out. But that's the thing. They assign one person... And then that one person going back to like mental health and well-being gets completely shattered because they start yeah. seeing problems everywhere. Yeah. My whole theory is that each department needs its own diversity and inclusion specialist. And inclusive marketing sits within inclusive marketing because we are talking about stock photos. We are talking about numbers. We are talking yeah. about campaigns. We are yeah. counting things. Yeah. Whereas employment, you need to think about the culture, the company, all of that does impact the marketing but not in the same way yeah yeah i totally agree so i had a conversation with um a charity recently who is really fully committed through and through to equality and diversity and they, you know they've got all their sentences and stuff on their job specs and stuff but they struggle to recruit diverse people because mm -hmm. we're in wiltshire <laughs> and rather than yeah so that's a challenge well i guess what i'm saying is the challenge is like outwardly facing you know what it is that you want and you're saying those things and it's part of your brand and your culture mm -hmm. but there's a there's a disconnect to what's actually the reality of your workforce and that can that can be down to locations but that's when as marketing as marketeers you then are 
need to be brought on the case. And not even just marketing, really, but individuals together to say, what can we do differently to attract a more diverse workforce? Mm-hmm. Or like there is there is simple answers to it. The number one thing I say is that inclusive marketing can be done by a non-inclusive team. It could be all everyone on the team could be named Bob, and it could be all forty, all white, skinny, with full head of hair, but they can still create a campaign for a trans individual to sell yeah. hair loss products for. The whole point of marketing is to be able to adapt. lean in, understand, yeah. and adapt. I'm not saying it's going to be a good campaign. I will caveat that. <laughs> but they can still make that campaign and put the thought into it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, sometimes people wait, they wait for the diverse team before they do anything. And it's just like, just act. Just do. JFDI. But yes, this has been absolutely fabulous, Natalie. We have gone around the world. We have, haven't we? Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for coming on the show. And definitely make sure to check out Natalie's podcast as well, which is called beyond the hashtag yes and i was on a guest on natalie's podcast so thank you so much and thank you for tuning in to marketing made inclusive